You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hello, everybody. It's Robin here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. All right. We need to talk about play, playing with our kids. It's so important and such an important topic. I have Alana Gallo here with me, and she is a teacher. She's a mom of three young kids, and she is the founder of Play, Learn, Thrive. Oh, I love that already. And this provides parents with the education and the tools they need to become more intentional about their children's toys, and play spaces so they can foster independent and purposeful play that encourages individualized learning, problem-solving skills, and perseverance. This is so cool. Alana, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to talk to you, and uh, I'm going to get you to show everybody the room that you're in in a moment. Uh, so you may be <laughs> listening to this on, um, you know, on your podcast platform, but we also post these videos on YouTube and on IGTV. So uh, Alana has a beautiful space, which we'll talk about in a minute. But first and foremost, let's just talk about why are we even talking about play? Why is play so important? So I think the biggest thing parents need to understand is play is really the root of everything. So this is how kids develop everything from social emotional skills, cognitive skills, language skills, how to regulate their emotions, um, really everything that comes with being successful, um, not only in school, but just in general in life is learned through play. So, I mean, it's, it's really the end all be all for kids and their development all the way through, you know, middle age where they're six, seven, eight years old, they learn through play. Mm. Okay. And so, so they do that, how, like playing in, in what way, in what capacity? So I think one of the, one of the biggest things play is something that kids will initiate. So it's not necessarily things like, for example, when we might set up a project for them, or we might sign them up for a sport or a class that is a type of play, but it's parent led. It's, it's adult led. What we want to try to do is get this purposeful play, which is really just total child-led, let them be, let them get into the zone, using their imagination, um, you know, making believe, playing pretend, coming up with their own games, initiating with their brother, their sister, their friends, um, really without any adult interaction so that it's really all in the kids. And that's the kind of play that, that we want to be promoting. Um, and we don't see as much of that anymore. Um, just mm. with all the structured activities and, yeah. you know, we, everyone has the classes and the, you know, they want to take violin and art and karate and all these things. And that leaves kids very little time for unstructured play. Right. Okay. So really what you're talking about here is imagination, unstructured yeah. imagination. It's not a, a sports uh, thing. It's not, it's right. Not structured. It's just imagination. And look, I know this is, this is music to a lot of parents ears because they 
want to know, how do I get my kid to play more independently? I know I hear that all the time. And I know we're going to talk about that. Um, so, so, and, and look, I, I talk about that all the time too, in terms of play and why it's so important because kids make sense of their world through play, right? They, they, they process what's happening to them through play. And one of the things that I say to parents too, is if your child is struggling with something or there's some emotions and you're not sure what they're about is use play to find out, you know, get down and play with your kids or draw it out. Some thing where you can talk to them about what's going on, especially now with school going back and, you know, with everything with the pandemic that's happened, play can really help us help our children make sense of what's going on. Yeah. And parents might right now, they might be seeing a lot of kids playing doctor, playing, you know, virus, playing Mm -hmm. Even, you know, my children, my five-year-old has been talking about death and what does that mean and what, you know, and Mm -hmm. does everybody die? Does everything die? And this is, it's not morbid for them. It's just, it's Mm -hmm. how they really understand, like what you said, it's how they understand the world and how they process um, just the different things that are going on. So like if you take them to the doctor, the first thing that they do when they come home or before going, when you're talking about going to the doctor is they might start to you know, give you a shot or check your temperature or, you know, they, they're just, that's how they learn mm-hmm. what to expect and how to sort of handle what's going on. So I would, I would say parents probably are seeing a lot of, a lot of that pretend play specifically around the things that they're seeing, like, you know, being stuck inside or, you know, yeah. seeing, having to see the doctor or having to wear masks or seeing, you know, that kind of stuff that they're seeing out in their world. And that's how their brain just processes everything. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really fascinating, but also something we need to know about because the child that doesn't play, that's a huge red flag, right? Yes. The child that doesn't play is is that's that's just not okay. So that kind of leads me into asking you um, about the environment. So like we've got to set this our kids up for success, right? And there are so many toys. There are so many things. So how how does the environment where our kids have free reign to play and also the toys that they're playing with, how does that all work together or against each other? Yeah. So um, the biggest thing is I think parents tend to feel like they have to buy, right? You know, it's like, oh, what's the latest and greatest toy? Toys R Us, this top 10 toys. I have to have everything. And oftentimes we're buying things that are actually sort of closed toys. And so that means that the toy is doing a lot of the work for the child. So the way that I like to encourage parents to think about it is the toy that you purchase or the toy that you have accessible for your child should only do 10% of the work and your child mm. should be doing 90% of that work. The thinking, the imagine, you know, the imagining, the, you know, um, so everything from having one of the examples that I give is my brother got my son this chainsaw, like this pretend chainsaw. And it, you know, it makes the chainsaw noise and the chainsaw thing moves around and it can only be a chainsaw. I mean, he might use it to like, you know, late lightsaber or something like that, but versus a play silk, which is just literally a piece of silk that's a square that can be a cape a hat a skirt a tent a cover for a tent it can be a snake it can be a pond where you put your you know your sharks and stuff on top of it if it's blue um so it's really open-ended and it's going to give the kid a lot more opportunities to come up with things to do with it versus the toy saying like this is what you do and it's talking and it's lighting up and moving and everything that's just sort of taking that 
play away from the kid. So that's something to be thinking about. Um, the other thing is I have been working with a lot of parents who are totally overwhelmed with their space um, because of the amount of toys that they have and stuff that they have. And the first thing that I always say is if you're overwhelmed, imagine how your kid feels. So yeah. if you walk into a room and you're like, I don't even know what to do because there's just so much stuff, right? If you have, even if it's like your kitchen and you know, you're like, oh, I just, I don't even know where to start. How am I supposed to start cooking this recipe when there's stuff everywhere? Well, your kid feels the same way. Um, so when they have their space, it's desi designated for play, whether that's, you know, a play room or just a corner of the house or, you know, different places of the house. If it's totally overflowing with stuff, they're going to be overstimulated. They're not going to know where to start. So minimizing, decluttering, purging, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> uh, really kind of getting to the more bare bones and making sure you have open-ended toys um, are two of the biggest things. Um, the last thing is just giving time and space, which is often hard for, hard for parents, I think. They feel like they have to always be there. They have to um, be near their kids. They can't, you know, put them in another room and let them play. Um, and that's really what we need to be doing, giving them the time and the space away from adults so that they can get into that flow of play and really engaging in what they're doing without an adult kind of overseeing. And, um, you know, oftentimes we end up kind of jumping in or narrating or, you know, oh, that doesn't go there or, you know, whatever it is. And now it's kind of like, well, we've insert, inserted ourselves and we've interrupted their play. And so stepping back and just giving that time and space is totally crucial. Right, right, right. So th this is, this is important also because of what you were seeing. So as a teacher, I want to go back for a minute and, and just ask you, you know, for all of all of the parents that haven't had the toys that do only 10% of the work and have the, <laughs> I mean, I, we had the chainsaw too, you know, we had all of those things. Right. Yeah. Um, so what is the, what is the result to having toys that do everything for you? Like you were seeing, you were seeing some stuff as a teacher, weren't you? Yeah. So, you know, I teach uh, high school and middle school and high school. So my, my, primarily high school, but I've, I've been working, I've worked with middle school kids as well. But so my experience obviously isn't with the elementary aged student, but what I was seeing at the high school level was kids who were really only focused on getting a grade. They cared about, you know, what was on the test? Was it right? How do I do it? You know, they wanted perfection. They were afraid to fail. They were afraid to take risks. Um, they really weren't self-motivated. Everything had to be, well, what, what is it in, what, you know, what's in it for me? Mm -hmm. If I do this assignment or if I do this reading, then what do I get? Do I get a grade? Do I get a check plus? And as a teacher, that's just so disheartening because for me, the purpose of education is learning, like true learning where you're really wanting to learn for the sake of growing and understanding and just learning more information and being able to think and so I started to just kind of realize that a lot of that was coming back to early childhood and when, you know, birth through age six, eight, 10, and kids really having a lack of time to explore and having the freedom and being mm -hmm. given the opportunity to just kind of do their own thing and um, 
you know, because we've become so obsessed with like scheduling and all these extra, you know, extracurriculars and we have to push academics because we need our kids learning and reading and writing and, and we're really taking away their time for childhood, which is where they learn these sort of soft skills, um, mm -hmm. like intrinsic motivation or negotiation or mm -hmm. how to take a risk. Um, and if you don't have that opportunity when you're younger, you know, when you're older and you're presented with a risk, you don't know that like feeling in the pit of your stomach, like, okay, do I take the leap? Can I do this? Can I not? You've never really had that opportunity to work through that as a child. And so then you're a teenager and all of a sudden you're presented with a risk, whether it's, you know, at a party or even just in school, taking a risk, like raising your hand and asking a question that might make you look silly. You, they don't know how to handle that. And so they just like shut down. And so that was where I sort of started to realize, wait a second, I want to start to think about how to help the parents understand what they can do during early childhood. So that way their child grows into a lifelong learner versus just somebody who wants to get it done and, you know, wants to get, get that, you know, the check plus because that's really not what we want as teachers in general, you know? Yeah. Well, and your whole point is to play, to learn and to thrive, right? Yeah. Like this is, this is the whole, the whole point. And so um, it, it kind of makes sense where our kids are living in this almost instant gratification world as well. Right. So, I, I mean, I've seen it, right. The, the, the little one in the stroller is fussing. Here's my phone. Yeah. Right. Instantly gratified. Whereas, you know, here's, here's those little links that you can play with and chew yeah. on, you know, mm -hmm. different things like that. So yeah, things have definitely changed. And, uh, and, you know, my kids are um, teenagers now, so it wasn't that long ago, but still I didn't have a phone to hand them at that time. So it's a little different. Um, and I can definitely see where um, the easiest isn't the best. The easiest is easy, but yeah. Easy has nothing to do with parenting. Sometimes, you know, sometimes you need the easy. Like sometimes you're going to turn on the TV or, you know, you know, it's not like, it's not like you're going to ruin your, you know, your kid by giving them the phone. Like, I mean, my, you know, sometimes you have to do what you have to do. But at the end of the day, like you said, you know, it, sometimes you got to be able to step back and say, okay, this is definitely not the best thing to be doing. Um, and maybe how can I find a way to do it differently moving forward. Like, it's just about the awareness. And I, and I mean, I remember the time that uh, we wanted everything to be so clean, right? Clean and tidy. Um, we had a lot of stuff, but we wanted it packed up. And then every once in a while, I would take one of the bins, you know, we've all got the bins and I'd turn it upside down on the floor. And then all of a sudden everybody was interested in yeah. the toys again, right? So yeah, um, I mean, it's just, it's just so interesting, but um, really important to see also where, where this leads us in terms of, uh, in, in terms of our kids getting older and, and, and what you're seeing. And look, I think there's more than one factor involved in the yeah. way things are go. you know, why they're not taking risks. You know, there's, there's lots of different layers there too. Uh, but definitely you're right. Like things are, are offered up so easily. Um, and, and it's okay to work for it and it's okay to be bored, you know, like let your kids be bored. It's okay. They'll pick up something that they never play with. And, you know, um, I mean, I know that when we were bored, we were just told to get over it and go yeah. find a way to figure out like boredom is what breeds creativity. So I always tell parents like to embrace it. You know, my, 
I don't think my kids have ever said they're bored. They don't even know what that means at this point. They're still, you know, my oldest is five, but I mean, if they're bored, then that's where they're finding themselves. That's where they're finding what makes them tick and what, you know, what will bring them into like their own happiness and joy. If there's nothing external that's bringing that stimulation, then they have to sit in that and kind of own it and let themselves figure it out. And, you know, again, if they don't have that opportunity growing up, then what happens when they're older and they're constantly seeking something outside because they just don't know how to sit with that uncomfortable feeling of like not knowing what to do or how to do something. And I just think that's such an important skill for, for the future. Like you said, for thriving, I mean, as an adult, we get bored, you know, but we, yeah, we have really to your, your internal compass, right? Yeah. You're just, you're, yeah. Okay. So I want you to, to show, do, do a, a pan of your room. It is. So Alrighty. Um, it's it. not, it's not totally like set up yet. Sorry, I'll stand up. Okay, so, so everybody who's listening, I'm sorry, but we you got yeah. you have to check this out on YouTube. It's really so we have like these cube shelves we love. Um, we have a lot of blocks and some rainbows, some trucks. We have some play clothes here in our kitchen. Um, so what she's showing us is really just minimal. Uh, oh, yeah. A lot of wooden toys, blocks, and and what I'm seeing too is really good for the environment, which I really yeah. like. Not a lot of wasteful plastic, not a lot of batteries needed. In no. you know, but very. I don't think we have anything that has batteries. Yeah, and lots of books. Flashlights. So My kids love flashlights. Those are like such great like little things like that kids love. You know, like every day, parents are like, "Oh, my kid loves banging the pots and pans." So I'm going to go buy the musical instruments. And I'm like, wait, why? Just give them a wooden spoon. There's no reason to spend your money. Like, that's a perfect thing. You know, and I think it's just like this mentality where we have a society like you have to buy, buy, buy. And, you know, obviously it's, it's nice to have some beautiful instruments, but it's totally not necessary. You know, you or your kid wants to play with the box. Like that's, that's an open-ended toy right there. That's why they love it because it can be anything they want it to be. You are currently listening to the Parenting Our Future podcast. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And please don't forget to subscribe. And I would be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating on iTunes. If you'd like to connect with me, all my details are in the show notes. And for a copy of my book, go to yellingcurebook.com. Now back to the show. So here's what I really want to know. I want to know what does child-led play look like? What does it involve? What's it all about? How do we get our kids to do it? (laughs) So um, that's a great question. I think the biggest thing is to step back, literally. Just step out of the way. Let your kid be in a different room. Let them think of what they want to do. Don't interrupt. Don't you don't necessarily have to be on the floor with them. You don't have to, you know, set things up. You can just stick them in a room and give them a few open-ended toys and let them do their thing. Um, I, our playroom has gates because I put my kids in there and I close the door. Like I close the gate and it's funny. My kids play so much better when an adult is not there. I think it has to do with like them vying for the adult attention. And when it's just kids, it's a totally different dynamic. And so giving them that space away from adults 
to just really lean into the things that are, it's just whatever it is that they want to do. And they'll come up with these games. And, you know, my kids play outside a lot by themselves because we are luckily, luckily, luckily living in a space where we have a big outdoor, um, outdoor space that's very safe. And, you know, they came up with this whole game called Lion and they literally just climb up, uh, climb up a hill in the dirt with like and clawing at the dirt and it's this whole dramatic thing where they have and they roar each other and and it's like i'm like what are you doing they're like oh we're playing lion and it's like a thing and they they play it all the time they're like do you want to play lion and they just have this whole fantasy that they come up with and it's just if i was there and i was like don't get dirty or you know don't you know touch that or don't do this that game wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have come up. And so just really stepping back and letting them be and giving them that time and space away from you to, to lean into what they're doing best, which is playing. So you got to get out of the way. You've (laughs) got to not want to control it, right? Hard for some parents to do. And you've got to trust, you've got to trust your kids a bit now. But the thing is, is that not every child wants to be away from parents and are very um, attached. So what happens when your child doesn't want to let you go to play? What do you say? So I think that some of that has to do with just like the, the upbringing. So if you, if your child isn't used to being left alone, then of course they're going to be like, wait, what's going on? But if from birth you're giving them little increments of time where you're not there and they're kind of left to look, you know, from birth, like infants, like looking around and just kind of seeing the light and seeing the colors and and you're not necessarily in their face. And then, you know, younger um, toddlers and, and you kind of go upstairs for a minute and you leave them in the living room for a few minutes and you're just kind of slowly scaffolding, giving them time away from you. So I think if that hasn't really been done and you end up with like, for example, a preschooler who's never been away from you and you're kind of like, wait a second, I need a minute. I mean, I think you're going to have to just sort of start scaffolding that, like giving them some time and saying, okay, set them up with an activity, get them going. All right, I'll be back in a few minutes to check on you. And like, go away, you know, kind of give yourself that space. I think we oftentimes don't give our kids credit, you know, for things that we, like, we don't think that they're capable. Oh, they're going to need this. Or what if they get into that? Or, you know, we kind of overthink and we think, oh, they can't handle that. You know, they're only 18 months. They can't handle being alone, but, or, you know, and we have to give that, like you said, we have to trust them. We have to give them that time. Um, and it might take longer, you know, you might need to practice it um, and, and make sure like if you tell them, oh, I'll be back in a few minutes, then you come back and then you check in and then, okay, I'm going to go and give them something specific. I'm going to go fold the laundry and then I'll be back, you know, and then when they come to you, no, no, I'm not done. I'll be, you know, I'll be back and kind of, you kind of have to force it a little bit, you know, especially if they're, if they're, they've grown to always having you there. Um, but I think the nice thing is, Kids thrive when they're given time and space and that responsibility. I think that they sense that independence and they thrive on that. I mean, all kids, like toddlers, that's why they're pushing boundaries and they're saying no because they want to be independent. They want that. And it's just like that natural instinct. And so if we can allow them the time and the space to tap into that, then I think that a lot of parents would be sort of shocked at how great their kids are at playing by themselves 
if they were given the time and space, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I think that's a really, that's a really important thing um, to say is to, to definitely give your child some space and, and to have some faith and trust in them. And, and, and that also speaks to parents who sort of helicopter parent their children, because that's coming not from a place of trust, that's coming from fear, you know, and we don't make good decisions when we're in fear. And um, that also does not uh, allow your child to have any confidence in their own decisions and their own self. So this really does so many more things. It, it, It shows that you have confidence in your child too. And that's important to, to building a strong foundation for your child, right? And this is one of the building blocks to thriving, right? So this is all really, really important. And we're not talking about neglecting your kids. We're talking about giving them space away from us. And, you know, it's so funny. There's two things that come to mind for me. One is there was a shopping mall that we always went to as kids and they had the kids play area, which was literally... Sounds terrible, but it was literally like a sunken in pit that was carpeted from the bottom all the way up to the top. And that was where you let your kids play. And you just ran around, you played, you didn't have to do anything other than that. But I also know that, you know, it is amazing when you see kids and they have an open space just a plain open space, whether it's a field or it's a gymnasium or whatever, they just run and spin and dance and laugh and it's beautiful. So let's remember that there is a lot of joy and simplicity, right? That we have in us enough. We have enough. Our kids have enough, right? And they are so much almost so much smarter than us, so much more tuned in. They are. They, 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 they're little, I say, like, they're little people. They don't need big things. They don't need big spaces. They don't need, you know, so much stuff. They really yeah. are happy with just being near you. And like I said, you know, your kid will play with pots and pans and a box. You don't need, you definitely don't need, like, you know, all the educational toys, you know, that's not necessary. They, they will, they will learn books, like, books is the one thing that you need to have for your kid. But like, other than that, it's really, they, they'll play with anything. They'll play with, you know, a spoon and a cup of water. They'll sit there and spoop, scoop the water out for 45 minutes, you know? And then we're like, wait, okay, that's fun. You know, <laughs> that, yeah. that's but, but it's always fun if you're like, no, don't get the water everywhere. Like, yeah, I know. I know. I Stuff, right you've got it you gotta like you gotta let some stuff go here you and the thing is like then give them so like give them a cup of water with the spoon and a paper towel right so then it's like okay you it's that practical life so you're gonna you're allowed you play you do your thing you make your mess and then we're gonna learn how to clean it up so then that way as a parent you're not following them around dealing with every tiny little mess I mean my kids vacuum up after themselves they clean up if they spill water they have to get their own you know, spoon, their own cup for, you know, cup for dinner. Like, they're like, can I have water? I'm like, you know how to get water? You know where the cups are? You can get your own water, you know, and they're five and three and they're like, oh yeah, okay. You know, and, and just, they like that responsibility. So it's, it's not like you're, you know, like, I think the fact that you just said that your kids will vacuum up after themselves is enough for people <laughs> to think that you say seriously <laughs> and understand you're an authority and what you're saying. Uh, and you're that now, and they're five and under. Okay, 
You know your stuff. You know your stuff. Kind of involve them in all like the practical life stuff. They help fold the laundry. They wash dishes. They do like the straws with the little um, straw cleaners. They love that. Like they'll sit there for right. minutes and clean now the straw. Like, okay. No, <laughs> like this no, is no. why we had kids, right? To do what, like to help us with all the housework, you know? Yeah, they you're just bragging now. No, it's too much. <laughs> too much now. I don't want to hear anymore. <laughs> Making us all feel bad. We'll see when they're teenagers, right? Though, because yeah. uh, that'll be interesting. How do we start independent play when your your oldest is 15? Asking for a friend. No, I'm, I'm joking. I'm talking about me. No, totally kidding. Okay. So, yeah. So, okay. So let's sort of finish up by, I just want to ask you, you know, where do you start? Uh, whether, you know, to give your kids a really good start with play, which leads into their academics. Like what is the best place to start here? Whether you are just about to have a baby or you already have kids, right? What, what, what's, what do you do? Um, I would say reading, reading, access to books, talking to your children. I mean, from birth, I talk to my kids as if they were real people. You know, I narrate what I'm doing when they're younger. Oh, we're going to change your diaper. And here, here's a wipe. I'm going to spray it. And, and, you know, oh, look at this cute pink diaper or whatever, you know, and, oh, I'm making dinner and here's what I'm doing. And we talk, we just talk like they're normal. We don't, we don't, I don't want to say dumb it down. Cause I, I don't like that phrase, but we don't like minimize what we're talking we baby about. Talk. Yeah, we know we don't do baby talk, but even with, you know, my three-year-old, five-year-old, we talk about uh, complex things like the solar system and we use the real words. We don't, we don't try to come up with like cutesy little words to explain, you know, photosynthesis. We say that and we explain what that is and they ask questions and kids will always like they just listening to their questions and helping them find the answers is the best thing that you can do because that's following their lead. You know, they're interested in my, right now. My kids are obsessed with bats. I don't know. So like, okay. <laughs> we have like a little bat house on our property that apparently was here before we moved in. And so I guess they're obsessed with bats and my husband's like, Oh, bats eat bugs and they're nocturnal and da da da. And he's explaining all this to them. And, and so they're like sitting there like amazed and they're taking it all in. And that's real learning. You know, it's like they're asking a question and you're giving them an answer. And if you don't know, you say, wow, I don't know. Let's look that up. Let's look that up. And then you go and you show them how to look it up and, and you read about it and you maybe watch a little documentary and you, you know, you pull up some pictures and you just talk about it and then you just surround them with books about everything under the sun. And I think that's the best thing is language exposure, um, reading, showing an interest in learning yourself. So like I said, if you don't know something, being okay with saying, wow, I don't have that information or I don't know what that means. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know what that word is. Like we have to look up how to say this word, you know, or I have no idea what that how that gets electricity. Like, let's look it up and sort of having that vulnerability um, and just engaging in the learning process alongside your child. And I think that's the best thing that you can do. Just sort of having that passion for learning yourself is going to rub off. So really to simplify what you said, you're communicating with them. You are listening to them right? Taking them seriously. I mean, that's the other part of it. You've got to listen to what they say. You 
have a lot of really great things to say. And then, and then like you, like you said, look, if they're interested in something, you know, let's nurture that interest. Um, One of my boys was so interested in sharks and scuba diving. And yeah, we did the same thing. We just, you know, surrounded him with information. Like here's a a show on sharks and here's shark week and you know, all this stuff. Right. So, so nurturing that, and that's, that's really great. Um, And it's, those are really fundamental lessons for us to, to, to learn and, and to help with our, with our parenting, growing our kids up, right? We've got to slow down too, so that we can be interested. And look, when our child puts their hand up and says, you know, like, I'm interested in this, like, let's lean into that. Let's really listen to them and give them as many opportunities to learn because the way we learn in school does not work for everybody. And it's kind of a broken system, but learning through play, learning through being, through just being with your parents, that's where you can learn some seriously amazing life lessons, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much. This has been so interesting. And look, you are available for parents if they need help with their play, their play room, they just need to understand, you know, what to do. Uh, You have a course on how to have purposeful play. Uh, And again, you, you, you do help other parents one-on-one if they, if they're looking for some support. So I think that's all really great. And you're setting a really beautiful example with the space that you have there Um, and coming from a place of being an educator as well, I think that really, um, really helps. So I just want to thank you for for teaching us about playing, learning and thriving, because they are all interconnected. And that's all we want for our kids. We want our kids to thrive in this world. I don't know one parent that doesn't say they want their kids to thrive. That's what it's all about. We're all here trying to do it. (laughs) Yes. While having some fun too, and loving on them and enjoying them, right? So that's great. Thank you, Alana. Thank you, you so much. I'll put all of your details in the show notes as well. Um, why don't you tell us just really quickly where people can find you? What's your website? Uh, website is playlearnthrive.com and everywhere on social, I'm at playlearnthrivekids. Um, yeah. That's so great. Thank you so much, Alana. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.